everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. That's what it's all about. That's why we exist as a church. It's, it's all about connection. Question for you. Do people make your life better or harder? I, I thought about asking my wife that question about me earlier this week. And uh, I was a little scared of what she might say, so I didn't have the courage to go through it. But, but I, think, I think probably most of us would agree with this statement. We believe this. We, we believe that outside of Jesus, the greatest gift that we have in this lifetime is other people while simultaneously also being the most challenging thing about life. It's, it's relationships. It is incredibly, it's an incredible gift, but it's also an incredible challenge. And uh, it's so easy for us to be, live in a world that's, that's disconnected. Last week, uh, Dan did a great job talking about uh, being disconnected from God and what it looks like for us to, to pursue God and, and to continually re, re come back to him and, and be connected with him. And today, what I wanna talk about, as you just heard from Amber, in fact, Amber said it better in her life story than I'm probably gonna say it today. And, uh, but, but it's just this, that God created us for connection with each other. He created us to be, in fact, in fact, our connection with God. And, and I know we're all in a different place. If you're joining us online, if you're at any one of our six campuses, welcome. We're honored to be with you today. We're all at a, a different place in our journey of faith and our relationship with God at different levels of maturity. Some of you are still investigating. I mean, you're on the very front end of it. And some of, some of you are much, much farther down that road and very mature in your faith and your relationship with God. No matter where you're at in that journey, though, we still have room to go. Like we still have more connection. We still have more more that we can learn to depend on and trust in God. And here's what I believe is that you can never go far down that road as far as you wanna go, as far as God wants to take you in that spiritual maturity in your relationship with him without other people. Your connection with God greatly depends on your connection with other people. In fact, I, I desperately believe this about all of us. This is what all of us want in our core is this, is that we were created to be fully known and fully loved. All of us, that's what we want. We were created to be fully known and fully loved. And not just fully known and fully loved by God. We were created to be fully known and be fully loved by others. And in order for us to fully know God and fully know the love of God, we can't do that without being fully known and being fully loved by others. Those two go hand in hand. But here's the challenge of the world that we live in. The world that we live in makes connection very difficult. In fact, I believe our world conditions us this way is that we're conditioned to not need others. 
That is one of like the messages of the culture that we live in is, hey, you don't need anybody else. You can do it all on your own. You are good enough, just you, yourself, and I. We have a culture of self-reliance. And there's some good things about being self-reliant. There's a lot of good things actually about being self-reliant, but we aren't to be totally self-reliant. Our culture overvalues self-reliance. Uh, the, the, the truth of that came came uh, true to me, or, or I realized this in a story I read by author Brene Brown. She wrote a story about these women in a village in Africa. Now, this particular village was very impoverished. They had little to nothing. But where they were um, impoverished materially, they were very rich relationally. In fact, they would do things like this. Like every single day, these ladies of these village would go to their river, their water source, and they would wash clothes together every single day. And as they washed what little clothes they had every single day, you better believe they talked. They probably argued a little bit. They probably cried together. They laughed together. Like they had deep, meaningful relationships. Well, what eventually happened in this village is that there were some developers that came in who wanted to help this village work its way out of poverty, which is an incredible thing. And so what they did is they helped this village realize that the, the little bit of crops and farming that they did, which really they did just enough for them to survive on, these developers taught this village how to grow their small little farms to become bigger and bigger so that they not only had enough for them, but then they could start to share and sell these goods with others. Well, as these farms grew, so their revenue grew and they started to get out of poverty. But as they started to get out of poverty, they, oh, there's a lot of good things that came with that. Like their homes became much more permanent. And as their homes became much more permanent, their village got electricity. And each one of their homes got some electricity. And then water, all of their places had water. This is, is great. But you know what happens when you have a home that also has water and electricity? What comes next? A washer. And so, yeah, amen, right? We're all grateful for our clothes washers. But pretty soon, like these ladies, they stopped all of these homes. They, they all got their own washers. And before long, they were just washing their clothes at their house. They stopped going to the river every day. And as their comfort rose, as their revenue rose, as they grew out of poverty, do you know what else rose? After a couple of years of living like this, depression skyrocketed in their village. Because on one hand, when their life became easier, on the other, it became much, much harder. And we live in that world. We live in a world of comfort and ease where we can be self-reliant and we, don't, we really don't need each other, at least not very often. But the consequences of that is we forget how desperately we actually do need each other. The gospel is clear. God's word is clear that we were created for community with each other. And it's dangerous to live life on our own. And that means you could have somebody living a hundred feet from you and you could still be all alone. In fact, recent research suggests that in our country here in the United States of America, almost 60% of Americans report being chronically lonely. We're in a world where we need each other. And guess what God wants to give a lonely world? He wants to give us the church. He wants it to give us each other. And one of the things that we have to overcome though, if we're ever going to 
become a little bit more reliant on others, if we're ever gonna truly seek real deep connections with others, we have to overcome this lie that we often tell ourselves. And, and it's this, is that needing each other is not a weakness. Needing each other is not a weakness, but it's actually a strength. Needing each other is actually a strength. And that's what I wanna talk about with us today is because I think all of us really want to be fully known and fully loved. We hope it happens. We want it to happen, but we don't always, we aren't always willing to willing to work to make it happen. There's a level of intentionality that comes with making this happen of being fully known and fully loved. And that's what I want to talk about today. I think there's, I think it comes with the cost. That type of connection comes with a cost. It requires something from us. It requires time. It requires vulnerability and it requires accountability, mutual accountability. Those are the three things I want to talk to us about today. And I want to start with time. The first thing it requires is time. I love this verse in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 10. It says this, it says, be devoted to one another in love. In fact, in the New Testament, I don't know if you know this, there's 59 one another verses in the New Testament, just talking to us about what it looks like for us to be connected. I'm going to share a few of those with you today. In fact, just a small few of those, but I think these guide us a little bit in how we can be connected with others. What's required to be devoted to somebody else? Commitment time, absolutely. You looked at my notes. Yeah, you did, commitment and time. That's what devotion requires, is commitment and time. Relationships take time, connection takes time. What's, what's hard about that? We're busy. I don't know about you, but I certainly feel busy. In fact, one of the things, uh, my wife, Rachel and I, we talk about this quite a bit. We were surprised that when we moved from Phoenix, a large city to, to Northeast Ohio, we actually feel like we are way busier here than we ever were in a big city. Like we're just busy. And if we're ever gonna move towards like connection and not just like, having relationships with other people. A lot of us have good relationships with family and friends, which is a great thing, but it's, it's getting to the place where Amber got to in the video. She talked about, it wasn't just having relationships, it's having relationships that are encouraging you, pulling you, pushing you, challenging you to move closer and closer to Christ. It's those kind of relationships that I think we most desperately need, that are the types of relationships that God wants for us. And if we're gonna have those, we have to commit to, to, to time. In fact, I, I read some more research uh, before this week. Do you know how much time it takes, face-to-face -face time for someone to move from an acquaintance or kind of a, a friend you see every now and then to a deep committed friend, someone who's an ally, a confidant, someone like they become like your people. Do you know how much time that takes to move from acquaintance to deep friend? It's estimated it's about 200 hours of face-to-face -face time. That's a huge commitment. That's a little bit overwhelming to me. And in fact, it's easy to sometimes to get started to have good intentions that that's the direction you wanna go. But it's 200 hours is a long ways. Down. Unless you live with that other person, 200 hours is a long ways down that road. It takes a resolve to stay committed to that kind of time. And for some of us, for some of us, that's a step we need to take. We need to create some time in our calendars to prioritize this, to prioritize the types of relationships where we can be fully known and fully loved and where we can fully know and fully love others. For others of you, if you're honest, 
And I, and I know some of you, I feel this way at myself at times. It's really hard to find that type of time. And what I loved about Amber's story is maybe the thing you need to do instead of creating a time, which by the way, I'm gonna come back at the end of the message to say a couple of ways our church can help you get started in finding connections with others through groups and serving. I'm gonna come back to that. But for some of you, you already have those relationships present in your life. You're just not intentional yet. It's like Amber, it's like she was serving in concessions, she was busy and she took the chance, she took the risk to say, hey, just knowing these people isn't enough. What if we're a little bit more intentional in how we know each other? It requires vulnerability. Time alone is not enough. And that's the second cost for us of, of becoming fully known is a willingness to be vulnerable with others. Galatians chapter six, verse two tells us that we're called to carry each other's burdens. Jesus never meant to walk through this life, a, a life that's often full of a lot of burdens on our own. We're meant to share those with other peoples. I don't know about you, but this thing of vulnerability, um, I'd rather do without it. I don't, I don't like it very much. I, I kind of like to stay to myself. I like to think that I'm self-reliant. When I talk about self-reliant, like no one probably values self-reliance more than I hate needing anything or anyone else. Vulnerability is really, really tough for me. And, and I think for many of us, it's, it's we'd often rather hide than be vulnerable. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. What happened in the garden after they ate the fruit from the tree? What did they do? They hid. And a lot of us like to hide. We don't like to, uh, to come out and be vulnerable. My brother and I, when we were 11, 12 years old, somewhere around there, it was definitely before we were driving. Uh, we were at home. It was during the summer. Mom and dad were off working. And my brother and I thought it would be a really great idea to take the one car that was left at our house and just take it for a spin. We thought we were old enough to, uh, we thought we were old enough to handle it. And it wasn't like we were gonna go like very far out on the road. We lived on a few acres. We had this circle drive that we were just gonna drive around. Well, uh, the car that was left was like this tank. Like it was this old 1980 something station wagon. Like it was, like it was probably, a t it probably weighed a ton just itself. Well, as my brother was backing it out of our garage, in the middle of our circle drive was an electric pole that brought electricity from the street and, you know, onto our property. Well, my brother, instead of hitting the brake, hit the gas and like backed right into this electric pole, cutting it in half. It was by the grace of God that the wires didn't break. I don't know how it all hung on, but uh, like we wanted to hide. We didn't know what to do. I mean, we're 11, 12 years old. So, um, we somehow get the car back in the drive. Like miraculously, there's no uh, damage on the car. Like I said, it was a tank. I'm not sure, again, how that happened. So uh, we're, we, just, we didn't know what to do. So we knew we had to call mom and dad because we saw like at any moment, these electric wires could break and we weren't that smart, but we were smart enough to know that would be really bad. So we ended up calling my mom and dad. My dad had to come home from work. And when my dad asked what happened, we did the only thing we knew how to do. We lied. <laughs> we said, we had enough time to think about this, so our stories lined up. We said, hey, um, I don't know what happened, but like all we heard, we were sleeping, 
We're still asleep, but we heard this car like driving to our driveway and they're like doing donuts and spinning around. And then all we heard was like this big bam, this crash. And uh, that woke us up. We went out and saw this truck that hit our pole and then it took off. And uh, like my dad didn't believe us. (laughs) But you parents know, like when you think you catch your kids in a lie, but you have no way of proving. It's like this no man's land. Like, do you lean in or no? So my dad like raises the love. He says, well, I guess we're gonna have to call the police and you're gonna have to tell them what you saw. So we leaned into that lie and the police came out and we put an official report. So a day went by, a week went by, like we thought we were gonna get found out somehow, some way, but it was just like life went on and until about, uh, I was 30 and we were at Christmas. I told my wife this, you know, funny story, haha. And uh, for whatever reason, we're sitting around at Christmas and, and something came up. I don't even remember what it was, but uh, Rachel said, yeah, it's like the time you and Dan hit the pole. My mom stood up out. She said, what? <laughs> <sighs> to be honest, uh, even though it had been probably tw- 10, 20, I don't know how long it had been between that, the accident. And it felt good to not carry that around anymore. Like that guilt that we carried, like it finally felt good to get it out of there. When it comes to vulnerability, here's, here's why it's so hard, I think for a lot of us, is because we have this belief that if other people fully knew who we are or what we've done, there's no way they could love us. I mean, we, we can't really be fully known. And full, this is what makes marriage so challenging, by the way. And we have marriage uh, stuff coming up later in the spring. This is what makes marriage so challenging because it's really hard to hide in marriage. But, but we believe about others, like if they really know us, there's no way they could love us. But what if, what if the way that God created us to experience the greatest depths of love are in those moments when we're fully known. Throughout much of my life, my faith has always been important to me. Uh, My sexual purity was always important to me growing up. Uh, But something happened after uh, I got married. After I got married, I kind of let my guard down. For whatever reason, I just thought, oh, my battle, the struggle, it's over. I'm married now. So I just mentally, something happened to me. And, uh, Early on in those early years of marriage, I started to struggle with pornography. And you talk about guilt and shame. I've never been more ashamed of something I've done than in that season. A couple things happened. I had a great friend, his name was Chris. And through a conversation I had with Chris, I was finally, I finally had the courage and I knew I needed to, to tell him about this struggle. And what I feared, what I feared is that he would unfriend me because of what I've been doing. But what I discovered is that I never felt more loved by a friend than in the moment that I was most vulnerable. That's the power of vulnerability. Vulnerability has more power to break shame than anything else on this earth. In James 5, 16, and this is a verse that Dan mentioned last weekend, and I love this verse. It, it says, confess your sins, to each other. this is vulnerability, confession. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
A lot of times, if you know this verse, I think you might read this verse like I do. A lot of times we connect the prayer to the healing. But what I believe is more true about this verse is it's the confession that leads to the healing. And a lot of us have people in our lives or, or we believe like God forgives us and we, we confess to God and we know God, we know God's grace and mercy. But the most powerful way we can experience God's grace and mercy is when we have another, not a lot of others. You don't need to confess to a lot of people or everybody, but we all need a few others, people in our life, confidence, allies, where we can experience the grace and forgiveness of our lives. That's the power of connection. Who do you have in your life that you can be vulnerable with? We all need those, those people. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing that we need in really to experience like deep connection and, and, and uh, in order to get where God wants us to get to in life and in our relationship with him is mutual accountability. Mutual accountability. Ephesians 5.21 says this. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I love that word. Uh, I love that word submit because um, it just means you just got to be coachable. We have to be humble and willing to put ourselves in a position to receive hard things from other people. In fact, that's what accountability is. Accountability is simply uh, the skill of saying hard things and hearing hard things from others, especially when you say and receive those hard things uh, in, in the context of a trusting and a loving relationship. That's a part of being fully known and fully loved. Uh, uh, accountability requires humility. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says this about accountability. It says, encourage one another and build each other up. I love that term, build up. Like we are wired to build others up and we need others to build us up. What accountability does is it makes us better. In Colossians 3.16, it says this about accountability. It says, let the message of Christ, Colossians 3, uh, Colossians 3.16, we'll bring that one up. If not, I'll read it for you. Colossians 3.16, there it is. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish another with all wisdom. I really like this word admonish. Admonish isn't a word that we use very often, but admonish has a, a little bit of bite to it. And not, not a bite that will uh, criticize and tear you down, but something that challenges you that will call you to something better. We all need people. Again, not a lot of people, but at least a few people in our lives who will challenge us, who will see in us things that we can't see for ourselves, who will recognize the blind spots that we're open to and that will call them out. Um, my friend Dustin is a guy that's been in my life for many, many years. He's one of those guys that I've spent those 200 hours with over years and years and years. A while back while I was having lunch with Dustin, um, we were talking, we talked a lot. We talked a lot about uh, our families. We talked a lot about work. Uh, we encouraged each other. We challenged each other. And one time while we we're eating lunch, um, I was talking and just sharing. And, and Dustin said, hey, Dave, I, I need to ask you something. He said, I, I've, heard you, I've heard you talk a lot recently in the last couple months about work. And it is, I, I like to be really intentional work. I love what I get to do. So it's natural for me. I said, I, Dustin said, I've heard you talk a lot about work and I've, I've heard you talk a lot about your kids. 
and it's true. I try to be really intentional with my kids and the time that we spend together. In fact, I, I think I could do a lot better job at that. But then, but then he said this, he says, in the last couple months, I haven't heard you talk about your wife, about Rachel very much. He says, you guys doing okay? And uh, honestly, I kind of wanted to punch him in the face when he, when he said that. But after I kind of like whew, cooled down a little bit, I'm like, it hit me. I'm very intentional with my calendar. My calendar runs my life. And so after that conversation, I went back and looked at my calendar. I had time scheduled for lots of work stuff. I had time in my calendar scheduled for my kids. I didn't have any time in my calendar with Rachel. That's one of the most important things someone's ever said to me. Do you think it was easy for Dustin to, to, to challenge me on that? Probably, probably not. I mean, he is kind of a punk sometimes. So maybe it's, he's kind of have that personality. But I'm so grateful. In fact, I think about that two-minute conversation as much as any conversation I've ever had in my life because I had someone in my life who fully loved me and who fully knew me to tell me something to make my marriage better. And when my marriage is better, guess what else is better? My life is better. Happy wife, happy life. Who do you have in your life whom you fully trust, who can say hard things to you? Fully known and fully loved. It's what we all want. But many of us are waiting for it to happen. And truth is, maybe it will, but it might not happen on its own. It might take a little bit of effort on your end of things. And the way we put effort into it is we gotta be willing to give time to it. And once we spend time with people, that's the first part is, is we have to be willing to be vulnerable. And then hopefully, hopefully some of those relationships will grow where you can have that mutual accountability. It requires those three things to be fully connected with God. As we're fully connected with God, it depends on being fully connected with others. Not all others, just some others. And I mentioned earlier as a church, we have, uh, we have a few ways to help get you started. One is, is serving. Honestly, joining a serving team is a great way to start to put yourself around other Christ-centered people. Now, you serve and you, you serve the church, you serve with others, but it puts you in proximity to others where hopefully some relationships can grow out of that. The other thing we do intentionally as a church is our groups. We have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, groups that are open for anyone. And uh, these groups are not gonna get you to this level of connection on our own, but they give you a starting point. In fact, maybe some of you, you've tried a group before and it just quite hasn't fit. That's okay. That's how relationships work. Not all relationships are equal. We have different affinities and different life stages and different interests. Like, that's just, that's just you guys know that. Relationships aren't easy. They take work and they take commitment. So if you tried a group and it hasn't worked in the past, I'd encourage you today, try another group. At, at all of our campuses, we have group tables set up in our lobbies. Go out there, find information. You can also look online through our webpage, uh, through our mobile app and find some groups that are, are, are near you and different types of groups that we have. Uh, it's a place to get started. Now, if you walk into a group for the very first time and they ask you to confess your deepest sin, you should stand up and walk out 
and uh, come let us know because that's not what we want. Now, do we want a place, an environment, a safe place where you can be vulnerable? Yes, but it has to be on your time and when you're comfortable to do that. That's what we want to try to create with these groups is a safe enough place where you can first be known and then you can be loved again as you're willing to take those steps. Groups have been a huge part of my life. And I've shared a few examples from you uh, today of my own life. Like if I think about my faith and my relationship with God and, and how I've grown, there's two things for me that have caused my continual growth. One is God's word. The second is relationships. It's connections with others. They're vital. They're not just important. They're vital for your life with God. We're gonna wrap up our service by uh, sharing a song. The song's called Known. And here's what I'd encourage you to do during this song is use this song as a moment just to pray. Uh, earlier in our service, we, we, sang, we sang like, God, we wanna make room for you to do whatever you want to do. What does God want to do in, in, your, in the part of your life that deals with other people, with relationships. Listen and have the courage to take that step. Let's listen to this song. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.